Welcome to Liberate Your People Pleaser. You might be a people pleaser if you tend to feel guilty when you do actually have the nerve to say no, if you tend to prioritize other people's wants and needs, even at your own expense, you tend to keep your mouth shut and not rock the boat, and you feel like it's never your turn. Well, I am here to tell you that it is your turn now and you are in the right place at the right time being exactly who you are because there's nothing wrong with you. People pleasing is just a habit that we get into to cope with various things that at one time in our life were way too stressful to deal with. And so much like a class clown will learn to tell jokes, we learn to please other people. And I say we because I have been there. So I am here in this podcast every week as your guide to an inner journey of liberation. Join me for this next episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. Welcome everyone to this episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. I am really happy today to have our guest, this, I will give you now the sort of content warning that this episode will is bound to include some sexually explicit conversation and language. So if you need to get your earplugs, go do that. Liz Dubay and I are here with you today. Thank you, Liz, for joining me. And Liz is a sex therapist. And most of you know, if you've been listening to very many of my podcasts, that our sexual expression and our ability to connect to our sexual energy, our authentic sexual expression, those are all topics that are really near and dear to my heart because of my own journey through it in many extremes. <laughs> so, um, so I'm so happy to have you here, Liz. And so tell everybody, I mean, what is a sex therapist even, you know, what is that? Like, I'm sure everybody has various things they're conjuring up in their own mind about what that must mean you do all day. Um, so tell us about that and, and how you got there, your own journey for why this is the work that you're doing in the world right now. Okay. Well, thanks for having me, Brenda. And thanks for making this sexually explicit because that always makes me excited that I get to be my authentic self and talk naughty. That's right. <laughs> so... I, as a sex therapist, I have a private practice in Long Beach, California, and I coach people into having better sex lives. I go a little bit deeper in terms of exploring what it is that drives them or extinguishes their desire. Mm. And, and, and so I use not only coaching, but therapeutic techniques to be able to explore what's underneath what people are struggling with sexually. And uh, so I don't touch my clients. I'd charge a lot more for that if I did that. <laughs> but uh, the and and so uh, being a therapist has always been something I think that's been inside of me. Uh, I've always been intrigued by psychology. I've always been intrigued by helping people and having a desire to support people who are struggling. But I think it probably started age 16, listening to Dr. Ruth on the radio. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Dr. Every Ruth. night, nine o'clock, 
I would listen to her and I, I don't, I don't know that I really thought about it at the time, but years later I thought I want to be the next Dr. Ruth. Mm -hmm. And so I, I went into psychology and because I thought, well, I don't, I don't really know how to be a sex therapist. What does that look like? I mean, I, I probably thought I was going to have to be giving hand jobs or something. But... Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I entered it. So this is my second profession, but I grew up in a really progressive family. My mom was really open. There wasn't shame associated with sex. We mm. got to talk about it openly mm. and growing up in that sort of environment gave me opportunities to get accurate information about sex and sexuality. And the more that I shared that and, and had conversations with friends, I realized, oh my God, people don't know this. Yes. And I thought as I got older that maybe people would educate themselves. I thought, well, once they go to college, they'll take some human sexuality classes. They'll have had sex. They'll, they'll figure it out. No. I can't, I was just continually surprised and dismayed at how many people struggled to be open about sex and to learn about sex and to talk openly with their partners about what they wanted or what they didn't want. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I remember at age 19, a friend of mine kind of assigning me the, you know, the, the unofficial sex therapist asking me questions like, okay, so what's a cock ring? Tell me more. <laughs> right. And, uh, and, and, you know, and how do I tell him to stay every time I like every time that he he's doing what I want him to do. And I start to moan, then he, then he moves. Right. And I, and <laughs> she's like, what do I do? I say, you tell him to stay there. Right. <laughs> it's don't not that complicated. Stop, don't move. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, so it was a, at a young age that I started coaching friends and, And then within my first career, I was coaching people professionally in being more effective in their jobs. Mm -hmm. And that was, I enjoyed that. It was great, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't my, it wasn't what I was meant to do. Mm -hmm. And, and so I think it was, I got a little bit older and I said, okay, I think I'm ready to risk it. I think I, I'm going to do what I want to do, what I was meant to do. And, and that's, that's where I'm at now. Oh, I love that. And you're so right. We're so, especially as people pleasers, but even just as women generally, not that there's only women listening to this. um, So guys hang in there, but I I think this is changing. Like for my children who are in their thirties, my oldest is 40. And then my clients in their twenties, like I, I see, you know, how this is evolving, but there's a hangover from patriarchy of not even having it normalized to even look at our own, look at, be aware of, explore, express our own sexual desire as women, right? Like to even know, like you're saying, so I grew up in the opposite home of yours (laughs) where nobody, I mean, I remember my mom telling me about having my period, you know, what it would be like when I started my period, but I didn't understand what intercourse was. Like I had some sense that men and women are in a bed and that's how babies come, you know, and some Mm -hmm. connection to my own cycle as a woman, but I didn't totally get like, how does that sperm get in there? Right. Yes. Until I was like in the fifth grade and learned it at school in, you know, a sex ed class, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is just 
you know, not the greatest way to learn or not to me. I wanted, so I, I raised my children in a home much more like yours yeah. because I'm like, I, I don't want my kids to figure this out in mm-hmm. school, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, and lots of shame, you know, around sex, lots of messages around, you know, women don't enjoy sex. It's just something we have to do with, you know, our husbands. Cause of course I, I grew up in a super fundamentalist religious culture, which meant the only thing that is quote unquote, right. Is, you know, straight sex, you know, Um, which of course I do not believe anymore. I believe in all kinds of sex, all the sex, all the sex that everybody wants to have. Uh, But so growing up in such an opposite setting than your own, I didn't even know what I didn't know. Right. I wouldn't have even been able to ask you much of a question because I was so out of touch with it. So how do you help? And as people pleasers, it's so easy to get over focused on our partner and without even maybe meaning to, we end up, yeah, just receiving the sex we get, (laughs) whether it's really the sex we want or not. And the frequency of it and all of that. I have so many women in my universe who say, um, women in straight relationships. I don't hear this from the lesbians in my, that just occurred to me in my (laughs) world, but uh, that they, they actually would like to have sex more than their husbands. But so then there's just this, like, so I don't because he doesn't want to, you know, so how do you help people? That's kind of a two, two different questions there connect to their desire so that somebody like me who thought she was frigid, you know, for 15 years and, and then express that or get those needs met when that's doesn't come naturally to them. Yeah. I think there's a lot of different angles to come from Mm -hmm. there. I, I think if you, you know, like they say, how you do one thing is how you do everything. Yeah. So I think it's so appropriate that we're talking about the difficulty with being a people pleaser in bed for your Mm -hmm. people pleasers in general, Mm -hmm. the idea of just exploring your own sexuality and you being a sexual being just yourself, maybe something that's new for people pleasers. They, they may have this tendency to feel like their sexuality is a reflection of their partner. Yes. Ooh, that's good. Ooh, that's good. I totally thought that, I mean, without, you know, being conscious of it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So shifting away from that idea is that we, we are all sexual beings separate from our partners. And when our partners have different desire levels than us, then Mm -hmm. we can, we, we've got to figure out how to navigate that. Do we navigate that through Mm self-pleasuring? Do we navigate that through expression with our partners, letting them know, Hey, I I do want to connect with you more Mm -hmm. and, and negotiating. Is it, if you're not open to having penetrative intercourse, Mm -hmm. if you're you're not open to something bigger, can we try some tapas tonight? Can we, can we get naked more often? Can we explore playing with each other more often? And, and to be open to looking at sex as like a, a, a broader definition of sex, it, it doesn't have to look a certain way. And, mm-hmm. and so to be able to get our uh, desires met from our partner, 
you've got to communicate it first. But I think that this is probably rooted more deeply in giving yourself permission mm-hmm. that sex is a selfish act. Mm-hmm. And if you have been socialized towards sacrifice, you Ooh. people pleasers, you people yes. pleasers. Yes, yeah. Then this is going to be a big shift in your paradigm. Oh, that's so true. I love, I, I mean, I don't love the idea that we were conditioned towards sacrifice, but that's exactly right. And so many women, whether they think of themselves as a people pleaser or not, I mean, as women, I don't think we've undone that paradigm entirely. Yeah. Uh, I think we're moving in the right direction, but it's not yeah. undone. And and there are so many cultures of sacrifice, you know, whether it's religion based or whatever that can have us viewing ourselves through that lens in a very unconscious way, not even realizing always that that's how we see it, but that's how we end up over-functioning, over-giving. You know, that's where I think most exhaustion and overwhelm come from because when we're really tuned in to our own desires, and now I'll use that word really broadly, in all of life, you know, there's a desire for rest also. Like we would have a natural desire for those cycles of activity and rest, except that we've, you know, numbed ourselves, conditioned ourselves out of it and don't even necessarily catch the signals And even if we do override them, no, I've just got to do more. I've got to, you know, whatever this person still needs me. That project still needs me. I've got to put in the hour, whatever it is, which is a culture of sacrifice. Yeah. Um, So I love that you bring that up. So how does a a per, and I, I know from looking at, you know, some of your things before you came on as a guest that you used to, or maybe you still do um, sell sex toys. So tell us how, So if I'm a person listening to this podcast and it's the version of me, that's probably 15 years ago, Mm -hmm. uh, more than that, but anyway, we won't do the math on my age. Um, That's so funny because like that would make me 45 and I'm not, (laughs) that's just how I see myself anyway. And I'm feeling very shut down. You know, I just, I have this idea about myself because I don't want to have sex with my husband as much as he wants to have sex with me. I'm always putting him off. I'm all, you know, so I have, I've interpreted that as I'm, I just don't have an interest in sex. I don't know why, don't no explanation, but I just don't have, I have a very low desire level. What would be some of the questions you might ask me or suggestions you might have Um, assuming I'm interested in exploring that that doesn't have to be the way it is. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, first off, you're my favorite client. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) This is, I I, I'm trying to heal the world one bedroom at a time with you. I love it. I love it. And, uh, I'm not at all surprised that there was a time in your life when you felt that way. And a lot of what I would be doing, I'd be asking questions. Sure. About do you, do you notice if you have flickers of desire? Mm. It would take, you know, you, it's very common that what happens is I get these women in my office and, or, or over zoom. Yes. (laughs) Because that's the world today. Yes. 
And they say, well, I, I think I, maybe I'm asexual. I, I just don't have any desire. I've lost it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where this idea of, of being a selfish lover is a really important part of mm-hmm. sex and desire is that if you are a people pleaser, you probably have a tendency towards having sex for your partner. Yes. Not having sex with your partner, not having sex for yourself. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing it for your partner, now it's a should. Now it's something that you do to nurture someone, not to nurture yourself. Mm. And so if you're, if you're showing up from that frame of reference, then, and, and you're busy doing all these other things to, to support other people, to be successful in other areas, then you're squashing your desire all day long. You have little flickers, but you're ignoring them. And so that is one of the first steps is I say, you are normal and your body's responding in ways that I would totally expect given the frame of reference that you're showing up from. Yes. Oh, so good. That's so juicy and good. And so true. Like I can think back on my former self and you're right. I would, I would have, I had flickers, but then I ignored those or dismissed those or whatever because my frame of reference was really not about my own pleasure. Even when I thought about having sex with my husband, it was just like to make him happy. Yeah. And I mean, I was an extreme, I hope uh, that most people aren't in quite the level of extreme that I was in. Of course, there's all sorts of spectrums of this, you know, but I think that idea of being a selfish lover and and I can say from my own experience that when I really started to explore and allowed myself to receive, so that was a big step for me, allowing myself to receive pleasure from, in my case, it was a man. I don't think gender really matters here. That was a big thing, right? To allow myself to say, okay, I'm going to not think about what I think he wants that'll please him or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to lay here. (laughs) I'm going to be a starfish is one of my friends. I'm going to just lay here. A pillow princess. We call you a pillow princess. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And receive this, you know, receive what, what he's giving me. And that was a little bit of a learning curve, you know, just to Mm -hmm. get comfortable in that. Yes. Um, But what I found, and I find this in all areas of life. So again, back to your point of the way we do one thing is the way we do everything. One of the things I say often, even if we're not talking about sex, about people pleasing is that, you know, it's not something wrong with you. It's just that all this giving, nurturing, empathetic energy is so focused on other people and we're not giving it to ourselves. So, you know, empathy being a big one that happens to people, they get like victims of their own ability to be empathetic, you know, but it's like, no, but how about if I'm also empathetic to myself, it isn't just what you're feeling that I, sure I can tune into that and I get that. But as soon as I leave my own feelings, then I've abandoned myself. And that to me is not what empathy is it's being able to also be empathetic with myself. So I always say that even though it feels selfish at the beginning of the journey, because of people pleasers so focused, overly focused on what they're doing for others and giving to others, 
that turning a bunch of that energy into themselves. And I know it did for me just felt like, Oh my gosh, if I did that, that would be so selfish. I would be so selfish. But the truth is when you do that and you give all that goodness to yourself, you end up giving to others out of the overflow, which ends up being even more delicious. And I will say sexually for sure, the more I was getting my favorite lover who I had for, you know, about eight years, like we would just joke about it sometimes because he gave me so much pleasure that of course I'm just like, now what do you want, babe? You know, like, I mean, he was getting all his and more, you know, Mm -hmm. but I was doing it out of overflow. Like the, the, my, the, I mean, I hate to use the word mindset. I don't know. It's kind of not sexy, I suppose, when you think about it, but, but it is like, there's that under internal dialogue that underlies the repression Mm -hmm. sexually and the expression, the openness, you know, and the stories I was telling myself at that point were just completely different. I was allowing myself to be pleased. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to give pleasure, you know? So it was just, it was a very full circle um, moment to realize, oh, wait a minute, the more I allow to be given to me, the more I even want to give. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what I speak about when I talk about the value of being a selfish lover is that I know that that word is a little provocative for mm-hmm. your audience mm-hmm. because it's it's like bad. And, and especially right. for women to be selfish, that's bad. We should be sacrificing. Uh, and and I, u- I use that word to be in an extremist, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of, I, I, I want to push you into that discomfort because that you're all the way at this other end. So I'm really wanting to push you just, to, you know, to like, I yeah. know you're not going to go all the way to where you're actually truly going to be selfish, but right. the idea of if you lean into sex and you're doing what you want, mm-hmm. then you're going to want to do it more. Yes. And your partner's going to ben- benefit from that. And you're also going to be more present because you're doing what you want versus just being in this pleaser mode. And that partner's going to feel so much more desired. Yeah. Because if you're just following along, that doesn't mm-hmm. feel like a mutual expression of desire and yeah. indulgence. And sex is supposed to be a mutually satisfying experience of connection and pleasure. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of being a selfish lover is about, you know, start to express what you want, start to take what you want. And your partner is going to think, like, oh, wow, this feels really good. I, I like, they, she's involved. She's connected. Yeah. She's taking what she wants. She wants me. And, and that's, I mean, that, that fuels, that creates that, that circle of connection that you, Mm -hmm. that you're referring to and that you experience yourself. Mm -hmm. And and so that mentality, I think can be a great way to get people out of this sexual shutdown, Mm -hmm. but I think it certainly happens by yourself initially where you're checking in with yourself where you say, well, I don't have any desire. I say, okay, well, just take an inventory during the week and just notice any flickers of desire that happen. And just notice what do you do to those? Mm-hmm. I, I'm guessing that you squash them mm-hmm. in some way. 
You squash mm -hmm. it by going to work. You squash it by doing something for someone else. You squash it by just leaning into what someone else wants. Mm -hmm. and, and, and so instead of squashing it, what yes. could you do to extinguish it? Think yeah. about all five senses. Yeah. Start to tap into things that could fuel it. Would it fuel your desire to have a session with yourself and masturbate and please yourself? Would right. it fuel your desire to listen to music that makes you feel sexy? Would mm -hmm. it fuel your desire to move your body and dance, to do mm -hmm. things that get you, that, that start to check, like start to connect your mind and your body? So the idea is you being active and acting. What would I be doing if I actually was a person who had desire? If I was someone who was sexual and felt erotic, how yes. would you be showing up in the world that's different than the way that you're showing up right now? Yes, yes, those are great questions and great. That's a great way to explore it. And so I really challenge everyone, no matter where you feel like you are on the spectrum, because I think we all do it in some way or another to really notice those flickers of desire, you know, because probably wherever you are in your journey, there, there could still be more, right? I'm a big yes. believer in more. Oh, it's yeah. the most natural thing in the whole world, right? Mm -hmm. Grass, even when you cut it, it comes and grows more, you know, mm -hmm. like nature is just all about the more. And I think it's because it's that reflection for us of the universe's idea for us, the divine's idea for us that we're not supposed to just, you know, grow to a certain extent and then stop or something, you know, there's always more. Mm -hmm. So really looking at where are those parts of your day where you're getting those little hits, those little flickers of desire, and then what do you do about it? You know, mm -hmm. do you, do you hype? I'm, I'm sure I didn't want to even acknowledge, I mean, I was, again, I was probably an extreme, but I would have run away from it, right? Almost like desire is scary, which I definitely, you know, find with plenty of clients where they're so accustomed to not thinking about themselves and their own desires. The idea of doing it is kind of, in, you know, I said scary, but whatever, scary, intimidating, you know. It, it puts them in this uncomfortable territory. Mm -hmm. um, so I wonder, you know, I'm sure you have thoughts. Yeah, I, I think those are really <laughs> important points. It's, that's funny because just this week, I did two videos on this topic oh, on TikTok. I, because I, I have these clients that come to me and they say, you know, I've lost this desire or, or I'm struggling to, to turn, turn the switch back on. Yes. And, and I say, well, I, I ask them to journal about when they think about sex, being sexy, leaning into this, what negative things come up for them and what positive mm -hmm. things come up for them. But usually there's a really long list of negative that when women are having, uh, having a hard time turning, switching that light switch. It was maybe they were holding out to have sex until they were married. And so then all of a sudden now, you know, so they were the holders of purity. Yes. Right. And they weren't supposed to walk around sexy because then that would be get, give an indication that they were no longer holding the purity. Yes. And uh, they got shamed from other women for acting sexy, looking sexy. They yes. would get, they would get, could be in danger from men for being sexy. So, yeah. so we're constantly stifling our desire for mm -hmm. safety, whether yes. it be emotional safety, because we don't want to be shamed by other women, judged by people. Yeah. And we, and we don't want to be attacked 
by yeah. a man. Be, and so if, if we're constantly pushing it down for those reasons, and then all of a sudden, then we get home, flip on the light switch. And now we're like, bring it on, baby. Right, right, I'm, a, right. I'm a slutty bitch and I'm ready to fuck you. Yeah. Huh. I don't think so. It's going to take a lot of shifting to do that. And yeah. especially if it's, you know, if you've got a lot of cultural, religious family values that say that you should be pushing things down. Mm -hmm. then that's a lot of unlearning to do once you get in a relationship with someone where you're saying, okay, now I'm giving myself permission to be sexual. There's a lot of unlearning that needs to be done. And then there's a lot of effort that needs to go into starting to identify what do I even want? Because that would be one of my questions for you, Brenda, is like, as we, as we look at like, I have no desire. Well, is sex even worth wanting? Why, you know, if, if a lot of, people this is really good common sense it's like if you go to a restaurant and the food is continually right not delicious or inconsistently good then you're gonna stop going to the restaurant it just makes sense yes yeah so I think I I really always want to normalize that for women it's like why would you want something that isn't satisfying to you if you don't feel more connected to your partner and you don't feel more pleasure during the experience then that's where we need to begin is to start looking at what's happening between you and your partner to be able to identify what do we need what changes do we need to make so that sex can be worth wanting and then you're going to have something to actually long for then you're going to actually have desire for that yes yes oh that's so good so let's expand a little bit on part of what you were saying there, because I think the other thing that sometimes we forget or whatever, we we put the sexual, we have a narrow container for what we think of as sexual. Maybe that's a good way to say it, right? So, and you said this earlier, a few minutes ago, that it's not just intercourse, right? Like that, or, you know, classic oral sex, right? Mm -hmm. That, as we're exploring whether you feel shut down about your desire or you're just on the journey for more, wherever you're, you're at now, you just want more, like what, how much more desire could I have in my life? How much more pleasure could I have in my life? Mm-hmm. It's not only about sex, right? It's about pleasure in and noticing, like one of the ways I started getting myself tuned into who I was sexually was starting with sensual what I'll call sensual things, like really noticing what does it feel like when I put this lotion on my body? Like I'm touching myself. I'm doing the most mundane thing. I have very dry skin. I put lotion on all the time, you know, but which lotion feels the best to me? Yes. You know, am I going to give myself permission to buy the lotion that's $10 a bottle more because I love how it smells and I love how it feels and what I'm eating. And I'm a big, I'm a big food, you know, foodie, big, big foodie. And so things like that, like there's so many things in our lives that can give us physical pleasure that we also tend to, you know, sort of stomp out or dummy down or, you know, ignore or what shame, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm the only one in the room getting as much joy out of eating because there's (laughs) so much body shaming in the culture and stuff, you know, like to just say, bring on the fucking carbs and I'll take some hollandaise with it, you know, (laughs) and not light or on the side, just 
on it and on the side because I might want more, you know, like whatever. Mm-hmm. And, but all of that adds to that ability to tune into what's going on in our bodies and open up that ability to really allow ourselves that level of feeling for desire and where those flickers are. Yeah, I think to me, I think about it as a, what the question that comes up for people, I say, what do you want sexually? What do you desire? And they say, well, I, I don't really know because if they've been following their partner, they've lost themselves. There's they, 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 they aren't an, an active participant in the experience. And oftentimes those people say, yeah, this, this is in my entire life. The idea of, of what do I want Yes. That, that maybe, maybe I can indulge in food, but I don't know how to indulge in other things. Right. And, uh, I, I, I can't, I have a hard time spending money on myself or mm-hmm. I, I, um, it's hard for me to take breaks and to rest and yes. to indulge in leisure. Yes. Uh, so, so that is sometimes where I'll explore with them is to see what would be an indulgence for you. Yeah. And, and so for you, Brenda, you're already enjoying the flavors yeah. of, of food, but there might be other areas in your, in your life where you say, Oh, this is really uncomfortable. I, I need to be productive. I can't sit and be in right. leisure. That's too hard for me. And so sometimes that's what I'll explore with people is to be able to see, let's get you uncomfortable. Yeah. Let's see. Let's, let's get you to lean into indulgence in another area, see what that's like. And, and then we have a conversation about that and the starting to show up in the world from a place of indulgence in other aspects can bleed into your sex life. Yes. And sometimes if people, if the sex isn't delicious enough, they're not ready to indulge in that. And so that's why I might be talking with them about other aspects of their life that they could start indulging, create a practice, get familiar with what that's, what that's like for them, how it feels, the discomfort, the pleasure. And then we use that as a way to start shifting how they're showing up in the world. And then we work on making that bleed into the bedroom. Mm, I love that indulge. I love that word indulge. I love it. I love it. I love it. So here's my uh, challenge for all the listeners is to put in the comments, wherever you're getting this podcast, I want to hear how you're going to indulge yourself this week. It doesn't have to be sexually. If you don't want to go there, you don't want to put a comment about that. You can DM me on Instagram. If you want to put a comment that um, might get you thrown off of uh, (laughs) social media. Um, but I want, I love this idea of just how, how can I indulge myself? Where can I open myself up to an indulgence that I don't typically do, you know, that I would tend to shy away from? Cause that's how we, that's the only way to grow, right. Is to have that little edge of discomfort and then get past it, not interpret it as, oh, I don't feel comfortable. So it must be wrong. You know, my little Baptist girl upbringing. Oh, if it doesn't feel, you know, if that uh, don't do it, it's wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, So get over that. And because just on the other side of that discomfort is where the door opens. Right. And you really start to experience something you haven't experienced before. So Liz, as we get ready to wrap up this episode, I know you've got some tools 
um, that will help everybody in this arena. And of course, in the show notes, we'll have how you can um, contact Liz, her website, and also the links to these two things. So you have a free thing and then a program. So tell everybody a little bit about those two things so they'll know what they're looking for down in the show notes. Yeah. So the program that I offer is a four week coaching program for women who want to ignite their desire, who want to feel more sexually empowered. You get specific tools to be able to identify what you're doing every day to extinguish your desire what you could do to fuel it. And those are specific to you. And so this is not just some cookie cutter program. It's something where women can actually learn about themselves through my guidance in the coaching program. And it's even though it's in a group, it's completely anonymous. So people get to be able to see what other people are experiencing and, but then also have the, the anonymity so that they can be open and transparent. And then I give you tools to come communicate with your partner about these new insights about yourself and to also start putting things into play. And, Mm -hmm. And so it's a program that I designed over from being a sex therapist for over 10 years practicing with people for 15 years on helping them to explore their sexuality and sexual indulgence. And it, so it's everything that I have used with all my clients one-on-one because I realized it's a lot of people can't afford therapy. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people don't really feel comfortable doing therapy. Mm-hmm. And so they just want, they want some coaching. They want some tools as uh, something that they can follow at a pace that works for them. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I designed that because I was sending so many people away because either they didn't want to do therapy or didn't feel like, you know, the right time to, or they couldn't, it felt like within their budget, it just mm-hmm. didn't fit. And so you can go to my website, talksexwithliz.com to be able to check that out. And on that same website, you can sign up for my freebie, which is the five ways to ignite your desire. So you'll get some basic tips on that. And and then, and plus then you'll get my weekly newsletter where every week I'm sharing different videos and written content to be able to help my audience. And, oh, and you can find me on TikTok. Yay! I do videos every day on TikTok. It's talk sex with Liz. I, that is, I love doing that. I really yeah. just, I mean, it's so, it's so fun. And um, beyond that, you can always, ju- you can just check out my website and everything's yeah. there. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, thank you, Liz, so much for sharing so openly and sharing your genius with the audience today. I, I really value the work that you're doing in the world. I wish I had known you existed, although you were probably, you know, in junior high when I <laughs> was in my place. But it's part of what makes me so passionate about opening up to this conversation and to normalizing the fact that many of us, if not all of us, would benefit from doing some work with someone like you because there's so many cultural, you know, norms that keep us in really unhealthy sexual identities, you know, and sexual expressions for men and for women. I mean, it's, people think a lot of times people pleasing and problems in the bedroom are all, you know, it's only women who have those problems and it's not. Oh no, I see plenty of men. Yeah. And lots of men are people pleasers. It expresses a little different because they haven't, you know, the culture they've been raised in is different, obviously, but uh, it's very much alive 
you know, there as well. And so just one of the things that I want to do in the world is start to normalize this idea of we don't have to have feel like we have to fix all this stuff or whatever ourselves, you know, find that professional, find that therapist, the coach, the, you know, whoever it is who can be your guide yes. on that journey. Yeah. And so I so value the guide that you are to so many people. So thank you for being uh, on the show with me today. Thanks, Brenda. And this, I just love this podcast. You're doing such a great service. There's so many people out there that can benefit from what you're sharing on all of your podcasts. And it was really a pleasure to share my provocative topic of sex and sexuality today. So, awesome. Thank you. I'll see everybody on the next episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Liberate Your People Pleaser. Here's my invitation to you. Keep loving yourself enough to stay on this inner journey of liberation. And the good news is you don't have to do it alone. None of us do. So I hope you will continue to connect with me. I would love to have you post a five-star review on whatever podcast outlet you listen to the episode on today. New episodes come out every week. You can find me on Instagram at Brenda Florida Coach, on Clubhouse as B Florida. You can click the link in the show notes for my free resources and other information. And last but not least, you can book a connection call with me and we can explore whether or not now might be the right time and whether or not I am the right coach for you to help you on your journey of liberation. I can't wait to connect with you. Oh,